Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is my cohort, Mike, the Cranky Fan. How's it going today, Grump? We are in the dead heat of late June, early July, where there is nothing going on. (laughs) No news whatsoever. This is the time of year when any news is usually bad news. It usually involves... A DUI, somebody getting in trouble, somebody getting hurt during a workout. So the fact that the the newswire slash police blotter is quiet is probably a good thing. <laughs> yes. Um, this is also the time of year where 30 of 32 teams, fan bases, think that they have a Super Bowl contender. So we will be <laughs> spending the next couple of weeks going through the schedule on paper, game by game, and looking at advantages, disadvantages, and matchup problems. Uh, for the New York Giants, your favorite team. But first, we just want to remind you that we are now on iTunes. And Grump, it's amazing. Our listenership has tripled since we joined iTunes. Well, is that we've now real? gone. We've gone from sig- single digits to double digits. So <laughs> our loyal army of supporters keeps growing every day. So <laughs> we're number one for people who broadcast <laughs> from this house. <laughs> you be bike. I'll be the mad dog. Yeah. Good job by you there, buddy. <laughs> you can find us on iTunes. Just do a search on Just Giants. Do a search on The Cranky Fan, and you'll find this podcast and my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan, where we talk all things Florida Gators. Um, when you go on there, you know, be sure and leave a review and say how great we are or how horrible we are. And, you know, all reviews are good reviews, whether they're good or bad. Uh, we're also on SoundCloud, and you can find us on Twitter at Just Giants Pod. You can find me on Twitter at, at football underscore grump, or you can and, send us an email, and if you would prefer to reach out to us that way, at JustGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. We are interested to know if I am more grump than he is more cranky. <laughs> you know, it's all fun and games now, but wait until, you know, as we start going through the schedule, that horrible loss, and then, you know. No, yeah. Then, then you'll see our true yeah. uh, chipper selves come out. So our, all, all double-digit 11 of our followers and listeners have only seen <laughs> the jolly side of Cranky Fan and Football Grump. <laughs> things things will get very grump very quickly. All right, Grump. So now we're in, we're in late June. Let's fast forward to getting past the agony of – preseason games and it is week one we've waited all we waited through the thursday night game where they kissed the patriots ass we've gone through all sunday watching everybody else play and it is now sunday night we're starting off with the you know per normal the dallas cowboys well i'm gonna i'm gonna start just by saying that uh the patriots ass deserved to be kissed this year sorry sorry for anyone that doesn't like that but coming back down four scores in the super bowl that's some something for the history books to say the very very least. Yeah, but you know, for three hours, I don't need to hear all those childs up there just mercilessly booing Roger Goodell every time because he is going to be up there. He said already, you know. Yeah. With the whole Super Bowl, you know, presentation, all that stuff, and you know, their usual classness that they are up there, those animals, you know, just going to make it all about themselves and ruining, you know, which should be a good moment, you know, they. You know, I, I I love this idea. The uh, the John Madden it was his original suggestion of having the Super Bowl winner start the season at home. So it's a great it's great. You know, everybody's waiting for football to start, and you know, unfortunately, it has to be the Patriots. And you know, those pigs that live up there are going to ruin it. So whatever. 
I, I Roger Goodell would get booed if he were hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In any case, uh, we are less than 100 days away from Sunday, September 10th, in which the New York Giants will play the Dallas Cowboys in that giant obelisk in the middle of the desert. Uh, as <laughs> a, place usual, had, a place we've had a lot of success in, I will say, too. Uh, I believe initially we had a lot of success, and then we sort of evened towards 500 for a little while. We won last year. We did win last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, What's your initial thought of playing them again in week one, again on the road, and you know, almost per normal playing you know in the prime time game? What's your initial thought about that? I think that I love the fact if, if we have to play Dallas twice a year. I would rather play Dallas in Dallas in September and Dallas in New Jersey in December, which is the case this year. If I had oh. to if I had to pick, that's the way I'd like it. Absolutely. I love it for a, a million reasons. One, the Cowboys are the type of team that take themselves so seriously and they have so much, you know, internal stress on that team from the, the media and the fan base and from Jerry Jones that Having to think about this game for 150, 200 days is does nothing but put more pressure on themselves. And you know, having it in prime time, having it at Jerry World against a division rival that they hate, to me, it plays in our favor. You know, they always seem to play kind of tight when they play us, especially early on. They usually have off-field and off-season trouble, where somebody's going to be suspended to the beginning of the game. Um, and I'd just rather get the game over with, to be honest, playing down there. Uh, you know, gives them a chance before they really start to kind of get their groove and, and start playing well. Let's just get it over with now. And, you know, I, I'm glad it's happening soon and rather than later and let's just get over with. I'm not one who truly believes at this level, at the professional level, that home field advantage means a whole lot for cold weather teams versus warm weather teams. I mean, we're, we are talking about professionals. So I, I, obviously, there's something to be said about, you know, going from Miami to Green Bay. But I, at the end of the day, these guys have played all over. They all come from different schools. They all come from different homes. They can play in whatever weather. However, I, for some reason, the best of the New York Giants crowd does come out for Cowboys and it's a shame that as of right now that game is 425 and not you know 830 at night but well from from a home field advantage standpoint it's better that it's 425 because we have you know our own anecdotal evidence of people we sit around who do dislike going to night games and will sell their tickets and we have noticed in the past a ton of North Jersey Cowboy fans who show up and you know I know we've already jumped ahead to late December but it's in our best interest to keep that game a non-primetime game you know if, if really for any giant game where you get a, a very different crowd that shows up at you know 820 that does at one o'clock um, but getting back to this game you know it's not the home field advantage you think of you know we went to the game two years ago the season opener and that was the um, the 825 game also. And let me tell you something. Of the 90,000 people that were there, I would say close to a quarter of them were Giant fans. And there were Giant fans all over the Metroplex that weekend, and there were a ton in the stadium. 
I don't know how it translates on TV, but it was audible hearing um, hearing the Giant fans at the game. So I, I, I think the Cowboys, kind of like the Raiders, are one of those national followings, maybe more so than what they are locally. Now, don't get me wrong. They're very big in Dallas, but, you know, the legions of Cowboy fans, I think you see more in these opposing stadiums than actually in their own stadium. And part of that might be because the stadium's so big. Part of it is because if it's a tourist attraction, just how you know goofy it is, how big it is. But you know, I, I'm not worried about the cowboy crowd in Dallas. Yeah, I, I I don't know that it really serves as a very big home field advantage. For for starters, the Giants do have that sort of national following as well, where there will be cheers no matter where they are when they score. Right. Um, it's sort of a New York thing, maybe. I'm not really sure what it is. But no matter where they play, there will be a uh, a decent-sized Giants fan crowd there. Yeah, um, the Giants, Giants are – they're definitely a national – they're not on the same level of a national team as the Green Cowboys. This Cowboys, Steelers, Green Bay, Oakland. But we're in that second tier where you know, we're on primetime a lot every year. We're usually – competitive to fringy playoff to playoff so you do see us play in january you know eli manning is a star in this league guys like michael strahan and tiki barber and you know they're stars in this league so you know they have a, they, a national following it's again not like you know not like the packers do but you know they are they're a popular maybe, team probably like the way the dolphins do yeah, I'd say about the same. You know, the thing about those teams, which is interesting, is they had a run, be it in the '70s or the '80s, where they were really, really successful for a long time. Where the Giants had, you know, yeah, they've had you know four Super Bowls sprinkled in, but you never had the sense that they were a true, you know, dominant dynasty for a long time. No, but there so was there was that period of the late '80s, early '90s where it was always the Giants and Niners competing for a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, we we won it in you know after the '87 season, the '90 season, but. You know, 87, he had the strike, you know, 88, 89, okay, nothing great. You know, they win it in 90, and then all of a sudden it's the Ray Hanley era, and then you've lost, you know, a decade. You know, really, yeah. <laughs> the and then you get the darkest your... of my times. <laughs> I know all you old-timers out there are shaking your head, with, you know, those who live through the Yale Bowl and everything for dark times. Right, but... <laughs> yeah. I, of my times. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Junior, keep going. All right. In any case, old-timer yammering away about past days. <laughs> I remember the leather helmets. <laughs> um, so week one, Cowboys, we see them all the time. We sort of know what they are, what they aren't, what they have strengths with, what they don't. Um, are there any matchups that you see being an issue? No, I, I, I see positive matchups, if anything. You know, I think, uh, you know, until they prove they have a consistent down, you know, downfield passing uh, attack with Dak, I think our defense sets up very well to, to uh, you know, a, against them. I think we can stop the run relatively. I think, uh, you know, we can cheat more, you know, put more men up in the box. I, I think the matchup is good for us. I think forcing forcing Dak Prescott to throw the ball. It, it, it falls directly into our favor. We have an excellent defensive line uh, that can compete with their offensive line and will not be totally run over, which is 85% of the league. Um, as long as we can stay competitive on the defensive line, we have an, a 
clear advantage in the secondary. Um, even if Dak does take some steps forward in his development and is able to read defenses a little bit better, I still think that he lacks the weapons on the outside and is still a wide-eyed young quarterback who will panic under pressure and throw into coverage a very good co- uh, cover corners. Uh, and as much as he develops, I can imagine Eli Apple developing as well. I, I As far as their, their offense versus our defense, I don't see too many problems there. I do the- think that they have done a decent job trying to address their defense, which was just piss poor. The problem is they spent most of their time drafting guys, and I don't know how much they're going to be able to contribute week one, which is the yeah, week that we're talking about here. And that's another that's another advantage of getting them out of the way too, because you know their you know their units have not kind of cemented themselves yet. You know, and a lot of guys, you're right, a lot of rookies, first time they're playing, first time playing, you know, for real in in the big stadium, it's all to our advantage. Um, I, I think the key to the game is going to be, you know, where are they on third down? Are they third and three averaging or are they third and eight? You know, if they're third and eight, you're putting a lot on Dak's shoulders. You know, again, you're you're factoring in the best offensive line in the league and probably one of the best two or three running backs in the league. So consistently keeping them at third and seven, third and eight is going to be a challenge. But if we can do that, you know, that's everything in this. Yeah, absolutely. As far as defensive goes, if, if we can keep them to a, a third and five or four and longer, it puts a lot more on Dak Prescott to make something happen and get first downs to go. Uh, it, it's also going to put a lot of pressure on Des Bryant, to be honest with you, because he's going to be looking to him as the guy to win off the jam with his strength and size. And hey. he he did not do well last year in short or long distances. Yeah, and he's also, you know, he gets frustrated very quickly. And, you know, he's been thinking about this game all offseason, primetime game, time for Dez to shine. And, you know, they can't get the ball to him. He's going to be frustrated. We've seen him pout on the field many, many times. And this could be one of those opportunities as well. Of course, it always takes that one, you know, busted coverage or that one play. And all of a sudden you see Dez, you know, breaking something big. And you're like, oh, there's Dez Bryant, you know, showing his overratedness. But. I'll take my chances right now. Yeah, and I think beyond winning last year, Janoris Jenkins has won the offseason with Des Bryant. It, it's it's pretty clear on social media and, and just things that he's said in interviews that his lack of production against the Giants last year is in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cowboys failed to move on in the playoffs through no, no fault of the Giants, but they were exposed by the Giants for their flaws and um, I do believe that Des Bryant uh, shoulders a lot of that himself he was responsible for an interception and a forced fumble in in the second meeting last year mm-hmm. it, that that was only a 10-7 to 7 victory for the Giants if he had been able to be at least decent there was a good chance that the Cowboys would win that game right um, wh- where I see an issue is their defensive line was never very good with Demarcus Lawrence, uh, you know, I guess Malia Collins. But with the addition of Taco Charlton, I do believe that he will play at least rotationally in week one. And unless our offensive tackles can wake up, <laughs> he will be 
uh, a bit of an issue. If because quite frankly, Eli got messed around that second meeting, at least for the first half. Um, oh yeah. By very pedestrian, borderline. I would say on any other roster, borderline roster players. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, at that point in the season, the offensive line was taking a beating and it was getting running ragged. So, you know, quality of the talent across in them wasn't much of a factor. It's just our own inability to do anything. So, yeah. But if the offensive line can block, I, I have no doubt that the offensive weapons that now exist on the team with the addition of Brandon Marshall, with a second-year development of Sterling Shepard, with even Evan Ingram, I don't know how much he'll contribute, but maybe if he's just on field running deep routes just to just to take the lid off of the defense and free up somebody else is an it, asset that was not available to this team last year at any point. It's, it's a part of the field they have to defend, which they didn't even bother defending last year. So sure. that changes everything. Yeah. All right, want to move on to uh, week two? Yeah, week two, we move on. It's going to be a Monday night game, 8.30, in, or, uh, at home against the Detroit Lions. Last year, again, the Giants played the Lions at home at 1 o'clock during yours and I family Christmas party, in which we were not able to attend, of course. <laughs> but and, and, and breaking, naturally. Tradition, breaking tradition, the Giants won that game. <laughs> and you lucky listeners will have a contest to see who gets to join us at our Christmas party and watch football with us this okay. coming uh... <laughs> as, as we ignore our families and the holiday festivities and scream at a TV. Well, you know, this year, you know, jumping ahead a little bit again, but the Christmas party will be during the Eagle game in, uh, you know, December 17th. So we have, to, we have to decide family or blood. So we'll see where that goes. As a small aside, that was the worst Christmas party we've ever had was the game that Deshaun Jackson took a punt to the house to end the game. Just as a small aside for listeners. As a small aside, if any of you, because probably most people listening to this are probably family members anyway. That's probably so, true. After that, uh, you know, which the two of us looked at each other and said, just punt it out of bounds. Don't even punt it to him. And, of course, we commit the most gianty of giant mistakes. I think I had to be by myself for an hour after that. And there's still a big curse bubble somewhere over Queens for me. But, you know, that, let's, uh, let's, move, let's, that, let's get back on the happier times. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the Lions will pose, in my opinion, much more of a threat to the Giants. Um, and I think you'll agree with me, at least defensively, because there's two new additions to the, def- uh, the Detroit Lions defense. Um, people you might have heard of, Mike. Uh, Jalen Tabor, Jared Davis. Yeah, a little uh, little family reunion coming up for that that game. Uh, I don't know how much Jalen Tabor is going to play week two of his rookie season, but down the line, I, I, hit, pairing him with Darius Slay is a stroke of genius for this team. Uh, what a, what a great pickup that was to add to their defense. I think he plays right away. I mean, this is a guy that for most of his team season was. You know, considered a top five, top ten pick. He, you know, he had a uh, he had a bad combine. He had a bad pro day. You know, kind of run his mouth a little bit. But the guy is still a, you know, a first round talent. And I, I think, you know, now that you know the draft is over and you know the uh, the impressing to to get picked is over, I think he'll be fine. I think he's going to play a lot and play a lot early. This this defense worries me a little bit. Uh, you know, you, you've got a Sean Robinson there. Um, this will be his second year. Haloti Nada, old though he may be, 
you know, still a savvy guy who, who knows the tricks of, on the defensive line. Ziggy Ansah, a true first round pick. That, that's a good defensive line right there. Those three. We're um, gonna be. We're, I think we're gonna win this game basically if the good Stafford or the bad Stafford shows up. I mean, it's gonna come down to, you know, you know we're built on defense. And are we gonna be able to contain this offense and can make him pedestrian or not? That's that's kind of the way I look at it. I when I look at this this Detroit team, the defense worries me a little bit especially because with our offensive line the first thing i'm always looking at is their defensive (laughs) line but when i look at their offensive line the right side of the line is pretty strong with tj lang and ricky wagner uh however their two starters on the right side of the line are you know free agents that they're not ingrained into the system where they know everything where week two they're going to be perfect they will not be and on the Mm -hmm. left side we have greg robinson that they traded for this year Lord knows why, and Graham Glasgow, I, the the star of this offensive line, may wind up being Travis Swanson, the center. I I think our defensive line will have our the, their way with the, uh, Detroit's offensive line, and being that it's at home, it's early in the year, it's a night game. I think that I I, I it's it's hard for me to see this game going sour for us. Yeah, I, I I like it. You know, later in the season with some you know bad weather it might be a different issue. I think, but you know, what what is Stafford's career record on the road? It's still pretty terrible, right? I you know I'm not I'm not familiar on his career record for wins and losses. I it seems I, like I, it's pretty bad on the road. I I know yeah it, it's we know not... his playoff we know his playoff record stinks and we know that because. They're usually, you know, a wild card and playing somewhere on the road and they lose. But I, I think that kind of translates even just to overall. I think that looking at any of Matt Stafford's statistics will will draw ire from somebody because, in my opinion, he's the most polarizing quarterback in, in the league when when it terms comes to ranking him. A lot of people criticize the fact that he had Calvin Johnson for so many years and he simply was able to just throw the ball up and have the best wide receiver in the game, you know, have his way with defensive backs. You know, and the other side of it, he's had a lot of really bad teams that he's played for. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you could look at his stats and criticize them and say that they're they're tainted. You could look at his wins and losses and say that they're tainted. To me... Matt Stafford has never really been much of a winner, but is a good quarterback. Well, I, he sounds like he sounds like the one guy who I, the only guy I think is more polarizing and more of a non-winner than him is Tony Romo. Yeah. Same type of you know, uh, you know, as uh, you know, a compiler of stats at the end of the season. Oh wow, four thousand yards and this and that, but you know, lost a big game, Ex- early exit out of the playoffs. You know, again. Romo had more talent around him than Stafford. Yeah, I would say Stafford's that... a guy like you know if if the, if if the world was just fantasy football and getting points, you know he'd be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I I don't know that Tony Romo was very. I think I think a lot of people agree on what Tony Romo was and that he was a good quarterback. I, there's a lot of defenders of Tony Romo that think it. You know, none of it's ever his fault. And there's a lot that think that you know it's he's he was the problem. Why they didn't you know. Only won what one playoff game in his career? Yeah, who? And against Detroit on a on a BS call, if I remember. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
I think I think people understand that he is a good quarterback that was not great, whereas I think there is debate on whether or not Matt Stafford is a good quarterback or a great quarterback or, or anything at all, if he's even worth talking about. I mean, that's why I think he's more polarizing, is I think people forget about Matt Stafford entirely. Um, regardless, I, 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 I've always viewed him not very much as a winner. Uh, I'm not sure why that is, but I just... I think it's more the environment around him, I think, as well. I, yeah, it could be. I mean, if you if you stuck him on San Diego, does he do better over his career than Drew Brees did? I'm sorry, not Drew Brees. I'm talking Philip Rivers. Oh, you're talking about Philip Rivers. And, yeah, Philip Rivers. My bad. My bad. I, I didn't mean Drew Brees. Well, I during, meant- during the during the Rivers years, I no, I, I don't think he does better than Philip Rivers. That that's that's your litmus test, I think. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I think I think Rivers would have done better in a different organization that didn't purge talent and refuse to re-sign talent. But that's neither here nor there, and that's not my team, so I don't care. All right, let's uh, let's move on to week three. Then let's go into uh, we have a quick turnaround, a one o'clock Sunday game at Philly. Yeah, this... and I don't know about, I don't know about you, but this screams not only loss but blowout. I mean, yeah. this is. There's certain games on a giant schedule every single year you, you can look at as we're doing right now and say, that's a loss. And this is one, you know, it doesn't matter how good or bad the Eagles are. You know, it's just you you come off, a, you know, a Monday night game, division rival on the road. You know, they could very well be 0-2 or they could be just like 2016 where, you know, everybody was going apeshit about them. But I, I, this is one of those. 30 to 6 games where we just look like shit and the Eli questions come out. This is hate week. Um, n- nothing gets me more furious than losing to the Philadelphia Eagles. That includes the Cowboys, that includes the Redskins, that includes the Patriots, everyone you can name. Wow. And, and nothing gets me more furious than losing to the Eagles. And I see the same not maybe not maybe not a blowout. I think maybe one of those games where they're ahead by multiple scores, but it's still kind of we, – we hang in there. We're down by, say, 10 in the fourth quarter, but it's a too little, too late sort of scenario where nobody in Philly is truly worried and you know they've shocked the world. And the reason why is because I think that the Eagles have added a ton of weapons. As we've went over, uh, they were you know one of my more improved teams when we went over everything. I, I think that it will take a couple of weeks for Carson Wentz to get used to them. And this is this is the first week that the NFL sees the Eagles offense moving the ball and just doing what it's capable of doing. So we're the litmus, to, litmus test on how to defend it. And I think that we fail. I think that the adjustments are made too late. I think that we struggle creating pressure um, on their, their very, very stellar left and right tackles. Uh, I... And I think Carson Wentz has plenty of time to throw, and Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith break break a couple, and it's just it's just not pretty. It's one of those ones where we're, we're down. It happens. We're down fourteen. You know, we we score. We're within seven, and immediately they score again. It's it's it feels like one of those to me. Yeah, it happens. You know, you look at the schedule. You know, it's a, a, over a sixteen game schedule over seventeen weeks. You have that turd burger, and this just looks like the game. That's where it's going to be. Yeah, 
there, there, there's not too many matchups on paper when I look at this. It's not too bad. I, I think that their offensive line matches up pretty well with our defensive line. I think their defensive line kind of stinks, and they sort of match up with us. So we have the experience at quarterback. We have better talent on as far as offensive weapons go. I think we have we have far superior talent in the defensive secondary. Yeah, we're not we're not worried about Carson Wentz throwing any more than 15 yards to this point. So, but but I again, think this is the first week where he starts throwing bombs, and we're not ready for it. I, it, it just it like you said, it just it's something about this game. I feel like we'll be rolling we have, into this two and zero and rolling out two and one, licking our wounds. Right. We we have no evidence that he can actually execute those bombs, especially against a pretty superior, you know, secondary, or, you know, back four. But you know, again. This is that week where all of a sudden Wentz is 25 of 29 for 330, and everyone's like, oh, you know, Wentz mania starts up all over again. So that's fine. You know, it's uh, you know, we'll see them again later on in, in the in the winter, you know, at home. So yeah. the last week of June, we say that's fine. It, I, I guarantee you on, you know, oh, we'll be September super 24th, I'll be fuming. Yeah, we'll be pissed. This, that will not be a fun podcast. So if you know, <laughs> but if we win, it will be one of the more fun ones. I can I can promise you that because nothing makes me happier than beating the Philadelphia Eagles and just kicking <laughs> them into the dirt. Well, that's going to be it for this week. We're going to continue running through the schedule next week. I hope you all have a wonderful Fourth of July weekend and have some wonderful plans. Please, all of you, take Jason Pierre-Paul's advice and do not play with fireworks. Just simply watch them <laughs> from your home. This is this PSA is brought to you by the, <laughs> the Cranky Fan and from JPP. You can follow us on Twitter at JustGiantsPod or me personally at Football underscore Grump. You can email us JustGiantsPodcast at gmail.com or you can bother Mike on Twitter. You can bother me on at the Cranky Fan. T-H-E-C-R-A-N-K-Y-F-A-N. And you can also, if you want to hear double the torture, listen to my Gator podcast, Mark and the Crank Fan, also on iTunes and SoundCloud. And if you are not already following us on iTunes, please go ahead and check us out there. It might be more convenient for you than SoundCloud. And if you are following us on iTunes, you can follow us on SoundCloud as well. It's Just Giants Podcast. All right. Well, until next week, Go Giants. Go Giants.